0: Welcome, everyone. This is episode four of the Captain's Challenge. Got uh, Sully over there in WA. How's things, mate?
1: Hello, mate. How are you? Hello, listeners. Yeah, I'm really, really good, actually, mate. Mate, off the top of the show, can I just say, a happy 49th birthday to you a few days ago. Yeah, thanks, mate. Feeling uh, every day of it. Yeah. Oh, please, you don't look... (laughs) Day older than forty, young fella. You've you've got young genes. You're pretty lucky, actually. So, how how was it? How was the weekend? Did you um get a bit of time to celebrate and relax with some friends? Or um? Uh, no, no, no. Lockdown, mate. No celebration.
0: No. So, uh, had had a few drinks with the wife, but that that was about the extent of it. And paid a little bit the next day. That's for sure. So. uh, Oh, mate, you know, I'll hopefully look forward to the 50th next year and make up for it then with a big one. And Oh, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah there's a bit of catching up to do, I think, for a lot of people after this lockdown. But, yeah, um, yeah, healthy and happy, mate. So it was a good birthday. Mate,
1: Mate, I'll tell you what, the one thing we, we really saw from an Australian point of view and was the way we celebrate Anzac Day now. Yes. And on the back of, obviously not allowed to go to Anzac... Uh, you know, ceremonies and that yep. But, yep. but it was quite incredible to see how Australians really took hold of the um uh, the driveway scenario. Yep. And just lighten up the driveways. It was really, really yeah. good. Really, really good. I think as a country we've got a
0: lot more patriotic over the years. Often. Certainly during my lifetime the yeah, the the um attention and the you know the The importance placed on ANZAC Day has really grown, and uh, you know, when I was a teenager or you know late teens, it was all about a day down, pub, playing, two up. But now, Mm. you know, it's Mm. more about really, um, you know, appreciating what was what was done by our service men and women. So, I I did see a lot of it on Facebook. It made me very proud.
1: Yeah, mate, I couldn't agree more. And obviously, myself personally, and our family, um, my eighteen-year-old son Bailey, and his He's, he's just joined yeah. the Army camp yes. and, and you've known Bailey all his life And yes. um, we're very, very proud of him He's a Wagga He's at Kapooka at Wagga at yep. the moment and
2: yeah.
1: Mate, just to see him in his full <laughs> unit He, he yeah. FaceTimed me And oh, yep. I was a bit Yeah, the Beautiful. old fella yeah. The old Sully got a bit emotional Oh yeah, a few tears <laughs> I can imagine <laughs> yeah, Nothing well, wrong uh, with emotion, son
0: No, well there might be a bit more emotion over there Over the last couple of days mate, With some uh, definite plans now coming out of the NRL and uh, a competition format. And yes, and it's quite interesting, I, I think. So we, we'll talk about that right? So they've gone to a total of twenty rounds, but, mm. and that's including the two rounds that have already been played. Is that is that correct? Correct. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. And so give us the dates, right? The May 28th is still the starting date. What's the finish
1: date or the grand final proposed at? It was October 20 October 25th, I think, wasn't it? I, yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. The Sunday, yeah. October 25th. So 20 rounds. Yep. Uh, as you say, two already played. Yep. Uh, 18 to be played. So obviously you'll play um each other once and then by the looks of it, five including the two that have already been played. Yes, uh, five teams twice. Yep. So no buys. And then the big one, obviously, once that's done, is Origin is after the grand final. So we're going to see yeah. Origin in mm. November yeah. in Australia.
0: That well, In itself is uh, very interesting, especially for teams and individuals who don't make the finals who then may be you know, selected for New South Wales or Queensland and will be coming into an Origin match without playing Any footy for possibly five weeks if they haven't played the finals. So, uh, and then to play three consecutive weeks of the highest intensity rugby league there is at origin level, that's going to be an enormous task. And I guess the origin coaches will be looking at uh, how they plan around that. And I'm assuming players who aren't uh, in final series, who are in line for origin selection, would be into some sort of training camp over those lead-up weeks, to maintain fitness and um, just, yeah, I, that massive jump from playing nothing for five weeks into the, the highest intensity at origin level is going to be
1: the biggest challenge for the coaching staff to prepare their players. Oh, it's a massive challenge and it's something that obviously they're going to have to, obviously, Kevy Walters and Brad Fittler is going to have to have a look at, but, um the main thing, mate, now is May 28th. We've got the good news today that the Warriors, well, yesterday, that the Warriors have had exclusivity, as they say, and they're coming over. They're going to set up camp in Tamworth yeah, uh, by the looks of early doors. Yeah, yeah. I, I was listening to Todd Payton this morning over here in WA. And, yep. and the big thing Toddy said was, and it's amazing, it's all well and good to say 20 rounds, but we need to see these 20 rounds, Kim. You, you know, we need to see these. Who's playing who and what's going on at the moment? It's been announced, yeah. Um, you know, and then we've had these buff heads over the weekend that, mm-hmm. made, seriously, they could have they could have just put everything on halt. Yeah, yeah. You know, but just by we, their actions. Oh
0: yeah, ridiculous. Can we come back to that? Because oh, one hundred percent, really important. Of course, important. We can. Of course we can. The, yep. the the interesting thing is, yeah, there is twenty grand competition now, and it breaks, I guess, of. Um, yeah, you know, the TV deals and getting in as many games as possible because, for me, we had a, a perfect opportunity to even up the competition here and play each other once, so a total of 15 rounds. we be given us 13 more to play you know, because we've had the two played before the lockdown. And then you, you have the fairest outcome then in terms of who makes the finals possible. You know, every, every year we go through this where... It's uneven to an extent because teams play some teams twice, uh, other teams once, and here we had the opportunity to even it all up, maybe put Mm. a couple of buys in, or could you have had an origin during the season to take up one or two of the rounds to to get this 15-round competition where you play each other once, but instead... We've gone for the 20 rounds plus finals. It extends the season out to 25th of October. Then we've got three origins on the back of that. So realistically, we're looking at mid-November before you know 30, 35, 34 of the players finish their season. So uh, it shortens the pre-season. You know, it's um, no doubt there'll be no other representative football now, Um, not with Australia anyway. Um, because of this extended well, season, so does it is that how it seems to you, mate? It's all about the
1: TV deal, and let's get in as many games as possible, and get the revenue back into the game. Well, we can't really throw stones at um, Channel Nine for that because they actually wanted the shortened one, and I believe Foxtel yeah. yeah. was the big push yep. to get the twenty rounds. So. Um, as you say and it's you mentioned the word international footy well that's finished this year isn't it there, mm. there's there'll be no international rugby league in 2020 we, we all know and we've spoken about it on the show 221 we've got a world cup mm. yeah um international rugby league world cup so a lot yeah. of these teams aren't going to get an opportunity to play together yeah um yep. and you talk about origin it's, it'd be interesting to see how they do it but i suppose for the sake of us over here mate um they it's all guns Firing for that May 28 um, yep. deal, they're, they're pretty good. But what about over there? What about Super League? Any, yeah, so any words? Latest talk is um,
0: professional sport in general. Looks like it won't be able to recommence until July at the earliest. Um, mm. And even then behind closed doors. So you know, yesterday, we're recording this on Tuesday. Um, yesterday, Monday over here, there was still... Over three hundred and fifty deaths linked to coronavirus. So yeah, we're miles behind Australia in that respect. So we're we're still a while away from even relaxing any of the laws you would you would assume over here, where Australia is in the midst now of relaxing some of the the isolation laws and distancing laws. And so we're we're a while behind. So July looks like best case scenario. Um if that does happen, then you know, obviously the the finishing date of the competition will be pushed back to some extent. So, yeah, there's still far too many unknowns here at all at the moment to make any accurate prediction, I think, of when we might actually get back on the paddock. So, yeah, hmm. pretty hard to gauge sort of any realistic starting date here. Um yeah, mate. but so we're going to be, like I say, at least a couple of months. I would
1: think behind behind you guys. Yeah, well, like, one thing, as you know, it's a such a tight country where you live, and um, we've been pretty lucky with everywhere you look. The weather does help, they reckon, and we haven't had a lot of wet weather. And yeah. I'm hearing it's going to be a really wet winter, so that might affect things. I don't mm. know. I'm yeah. I'm a painter, not a weather man, yeah. but. Um, But, yeah,
0: there could be that outbreak again, that second wave, and that probably takes us back to the point you were bringing up about a few of the players on the weekend doing the the wrong thing. Um, Yeah, quite disappointing, mate, I think, from all the players' point of view there, that the possible start date may have been put
1: um, or might be under threat or could have been under the threat by the actions of a few Oh, I agree with that, Kim. And that, that was my point. I, I spoke on air over here this morning. And the biggest thing that, you know, Peter Volandis and the NRL have said, we trust our players. Yeah. But then you turn around and you got what happened on the weekend and you got a bloke who shouldn't have opened his doors and he's let some friends in. And,
2: yeah.
1: you know, and, and the bottom line, mate, and, and this is the bit that worries me because at the end of the day, all these players in the NRL have had mate they've had a pay cut of 72% mm. yep. of their wages right yep. that, that's what they got so technically they get 28% of their wages while they're not playing footy well yep. if that prolongs week by week by week by week because of the stupidity of one mm. or two other buffets yeah mate the players are the ones who should be jumping up and down yeah. but now we've seen today the NRLs come out and sanction them and find them on top of the government but But, mate, I tell you what, we saw two Bulldogs players Mm. sacked from their club for doing something. They weren't charged by the law, by the New South Wales Police. They were stupid. Morally, they were wrong. They did something morally wrong. No problems. Bang, bang, bang. You look at these buffoons over the last couple of days. Mate, they've been fined by the New South Wales Police for breaking the law. And they put the NRL... Under jeopardy, and that's what I'm saying. But anyway, it looks yeah. like today it'll and, be all forgotten now. They've been, uh, they've been fine. Everyone say that's good. It's not good. No, no. Well,
0: like this is morally wrong as well. When when you think about mm. it, that the amount of people mm. that this could, the ripple effect that this could have had, uh, makes it morally wrong. Anyway, Yeah. exactly so. Mm. Yeah. So uh, they could have copped a lot worse in terms of the punishment. That's, that's for sure. Um, I think they've got off
1: quite lightly. And Feather, this, duster, yeah. Feather duster, Kimbo.
0: Feather duster. Here's another point. When you were saying, you know, that this could have cost players wages if if the competition was pushed further back and they continued to cop this 72% um, yeah. pay cut instead yeah. of getting back on the field and, and getting their their full payback, I assume, or, or closer to full pay, would that then have opened up the possibility of a lawsuit for other players to sue those few guys because we've lost our wages because of the actions of you guys? You've been negligent in your behaviour and we have now lost wages because of that. Um, oh, 100%. 100%. That would have been a possibility. I'm no lawyer, but um, it seems that they may... That may have been a feasible um, thing to happen if if this caused the further delay in the competition. So, yeah, yeah, obviously quite selfish. I think is probably the right word, and uh, hopefully a very big lesson learnt by by everyone involved. And uh, yeah, you know, hopefully the game can get back on the May twenty eighth, and nothing changes. Well, there.
1: I, it's, I was talking to um a good friend of ours this morning from St George, Sean Timmins. And yeah. he said, you know, the laws they've been given, the, the sanctions they've been given is worse. You know, it's worse than what you get at home. Yeah, they've been – if you're the head coach, Kimber, you can't – you've got to leave training and you've got to go straight home. Yeah, You can't mix with anybody. And this is this is what these boys have got to put up with for the next couple of weeks. So Yeah. And if it's for the good of the game, get on with it. Anyway, yeah. that's enough yeah. of that, I reckon. We'll see what happens. Yeah.
0: Definitely. All right. Well, like this week's interview, it was a big one
1: for us. Oh, oh mate. I'll tell you what, you, you've done well here. You know, you said, well, we said we go for one this week because it's, we've, we've done two the last couple of weeks. And this young yep. fella, only 24 years of age, Kim. Yep. He played 34 games for the Roosters, yep. 13 games for the Manly Seagulls. He's played 41 for the Salford, the Red Devils. And he's only played in a new contract. He's only had three chances to play for Wigan. So 91 games in in all. And we're talking about a young fella called Jackson Hastings. Kim, I've listened to this interview today, just this afternoon before we came on air, mate. And i tell you what, it was like, you didn't have to say a word. Yeah. It was one of those interviews that I want my young blokes to listen to. Yeah. It's, to me, it's a, Inspirational interview, and it, and he probably didn't mean it like that. The kid was just talking from the heart. He was talking from the truth, and it was like two blokes sitting on a lounge, mate. Great interview. Yeah, he's.
0: We've had some good ones in the first three weeks. Where we, we've oh. had some um, guests who have overcome some level of of adversity, and the, and each of them has had a, a different story, and they've all been really good stories. This one was. Um, I guess the a, a story of a guy coming out, up against challenges on his character and mm. having to, um, you know, live with that and, and overcome it and really overcome it like you wouldn't believe. And, you know, currently the, the man of steel over here um, and to turn things around in, you know, a period of, you know, 12 or 16 months uh and then be rated the number one player in the Super League competition is some sort of phenomenal achievement. And uh, yeah, it was a real pleasure just sitting back and listening to to him talk yesterday. And uh, as we would like to promote to all our young guys, there's a lot of lessons to be learned from listening to these players who are who have made it um, to the top level of the game, and realising that things aren't handed to you on a platter, and there's a uh, more often than not, some pretty big speed humps along the way that you're going to have to overcome. And uh, it's all about your mindset and how you choose to deal with adversity in your life. And there's probably two paths to take. You can go around kicking cans, feeling sorry for yourself, or you can use the the bad times uh, as motivation to make you better. And this is certainly one of the best examples of the latter situation occurring and uh, yeah as I said it was a real pleasure uh, doing Mm. that interview with him Uh, um, we might go to the interview now mate And uh, yeah it was with uh, of course Jackson Hastings and uh, just happens to be from the the same town as me mate, a a Warrilla boy and uh, his mum's side of the family were always very prominent in the Gorillas Rugby League club Um, his uncles were first grade players there and um, uh, one of his uncles, at least one of them, uh, captain, coach, really First Grade, and uh, yeah, it's always been a strong association with, with rugby league in the area. So great to see a local boy doing so well, and uh, as I said, a real pleasure to interview him. And we'll go to it now. Mm. A very special guest today on our on our fourth episode, the Captain Challenge with. Got the current man of steel from the English Super League and now playing over with Wigan, uh, Jackson Hastings. Thanks for joining us, Jackson. Thanks, mate. Thanks for getting me on. Yeah, we really appreciate it, mate. um, uh, Obviously, a great time for you and your career at the moment. But I I want to start right back at the the beginning. We we do have a bit of a common thread. I'm a a little boy. Yeah, yeah. um, Your your mum and dad, um, or mum in particular, from that area. uh, Yep. Dad's um spent some time playing in the group seven competition to memory as well to, for the for Harry. Yeah, he has, yep. But uh, yourself, you you came through the Illawarra League and in particular the, yep. the um West Longong, the Red Devils. So, uh, what what age were you when you started and um yeah, talk us a bit through that period of your of your career.
3: Yeah. Yeah, right. So obviously um I'm from the South Coast where you're from, mate, we're just a nice little surfy town down there in Wollongong and um, obviously grew up sort of loving rugby league, but I was always really scared to play it. I was always uh, really nervous and tentative. And, and every time I went to play a game, I'd always not go on and, and, and not play. So it took me to, I played soccer for um, Shell Arbor actually, um, yep. the, suburb, the suburb next to a really, obviously, as you know, um, until I was nine years old. And then I finally got the courage to go and play with my mates. My mum had split up with my dad at the time and, and, and met my stepdad and, um, we were living in Fig Tree too. So that's how the Western Suburbs connection sort of come about. And um, yep. the coach of the team, Murray Whitehead, was was best was best mate to my stepdad, David. And um, I was really close with his son, Josh. We're the same age. And um, obviously went to school at Fig Tree for a bit. So I had a lot of mates that were going down and going to training and stuff. And like I always – well, at nine, it's hard to say. But like my mum always knew that I could do it and be good at it. And like I had the natural skill in that. And I played touch footy and I played those Tag. And I done all this and I was always one of the better players. Yep. I was just scared of the contact and, and how I'd go and um, I remember my first game was a um like a like a tournament where we, you played only like it was like I think it was nine or ten minute halves and you played every side from the Illawarra at a carnival day and I remember my first game I scored four five tries and I suppose that sort of just give me give me the confidence to sort of kick on and, and, and want to keep playing and then yep. um, I spent like my whole junior career at West I think we won we won uh, it was 11, 11, 10 or 11 grand finals in a row
1: mm-hmm.
3: um, in my age group so we, we dominated that for a bit and then I had a spell actually back in the group 7 comp with Albion Park where we won yeah. two grand finals in a row there and yep. um, I went back to West to, to play um, under 18s when I was 16 uh, the year before 20s and I played I played the season to the grand final and I, I got beat that was the first time I'd be beating the grand final so yeah. I think I was 12 from 13 and then from then, I turned seventeen and went straight into the the Dragon system and and yep. played um, under twenties from there. You've um
0: in those early days, in particular, from the, the West
3: team in, in your age group, have, have many of those guys kicked on? Um, not too many, mate. To be honest, a lot of us played in Harold Matanesti Ball and and, yep. and under twenties and that, and then um, a lot of boys sort of filled it out. And obviously, I made the move to Sydney, but from the teams that I played in. I played a year at Berkeley too. I've got to add, and I played with Jack Bird there. Um, yep. When I played for West in the under 18s, we played against Ewan Aitken. Um, Adam Clune was there, and he's sort of on the cusp of first yes. grade now, at the Dragons. Yeah, But there wasn't a great deal from from my age It eventually went to kick on, mate, to be honest. So um, I sort of count myself sort of lucky because I was in like a rich sort of area of, of talent, like a talent pool was massive. where, where, where we're from, obviously Wollongong's a big breeding, yep. breeding ground for rugby league and, um, I was sort of probably one of the lucky ones that snuck through and, and worked hard and got to got to get to where I am.
0: Yeah, I remember watching you coming through to the school boys ranks in particular yeah. and you're extremely talented then the um the, what what school did you go to, Jackson? You I, know, I went school. to
3: um Yeah, so like it was a hard decision for me. All because I went to Shalaba Public in year six, uh, year yeah. four, five, six and all my mates were gone to a real high and, and, and high schools around there and it would have been close and local, but yeah. I got a scholarship because I was with the Dragons. I got a scholarship to go to, to Berkeley, yeah. so I had to go and do a trial game. Um, I remember it. Like we played on, the pitches across from the schools, like pissing down rain, muddy, and um, yeah. I really, I really stood out in this trial against kids that were older than me and stuff. So, um, they give me a scholarship. Didn't have to pay school fees and that, which was great for my mum. Yeah. Um, and then there was a bus stop not too far from my house, so it all sort of just worked out well, mate. And. Um, the connection with the Dragons obviously helped me progress as a, as a rugby league player too. So, yeah, you know, I'm very lucky that I got to go to that school.
0: You then, uh, it was your first full NRL contract then with the Roosters?
3: Yeah, so I was 16 um, at the Dragons, um, seven, turned 17, played my first year of under-20s. And then at the end of that year, I had um, four offers from clubs, obviously could have stayed at the Dragons and the go to the Roosters, Cowboys, or the Knights. Yep. And all of them were like, it was a hard decision to leave home, mate. Obviously, I'm very mm. close to my family and they're all down there on the coast there. Um, Newcastle was hard to turn down. Obviously, Wayne Bennett was there and he was a massive draw. And I even flew to Townsville um, and met Jonathan Thurston and, and stuff like that up in there. So you could imagine yeah. as a kid that play as back that, yeah, yeah. that was all time. So to turn all them down and ultimately, I just thought the Roosters was my quickest and best pathway to first grade. Obviously, Trent Robinson, what a coach. Yeah. They just signed Sonny Bill. They had Anthony Minicello, Mitchell Pearce, James Maloney yeah. to learn off. Yeah, Roger Toulbas, the chef, Rhea Hargrave, like the team. I followed the Roosters since I was a kid because I'm an old man, as you know, played there yes. and stuff like that. So I was able to sort of fulfil a dream there and um, got to got to debut there at 18 years old and and play play some halfback there as well, which is quite cool. Yeah, definitely.
0: The um, yeah, no, I could imagine that would have been a a factor in it with your old your, your dad being a legend there and then getting to the, yes. the fill the the same jersey as him in the yeah. number seven, must
3: have been pretty special. Yeah, it was obviously one of them things that I, I think my mum tried, like, tried to hide me from for a lot of years. Obviously, uh, yeah. um, you see kids now these days that have famous parents, brothers or whatever, siblings that, that come through and you automatically get compared to what they did. And obviously, my dad had played nearly 300 games, played State of Origin, played in Grand Finals and stuff like that. Yep. So there was always going to be big shoes to fill. Um mm like you always hear the the phrase the greatest player never to play for Australia and stuff like that. So automatically that puts pressure on you. But as a kid, um, I sort of enjoyed that weirdly enough. Like I've sort of been sort of in that spotlight since I was like 16, 15, 16, um, being criticized, ridiculed, ridiculed and that. And I always saw that as a challenge. So in the back of my mind, although it was added pressure on an 18 year old kid and and stuff like that, I, I sort of embraced that and wanted that. And, um, Yep. Yeah, as, as you said, I was lucky enough to wear the same jersey as him, um, play for the same club and, and nearly play 50 games there, which would have been great. But, um, yeah, it was an awesome time in my life and and, and definitely something I look back on and I'm very proud of.
0: Yeah, excellent.
3: From there, the,
0: the next move was to, to Manly. Um, yeah. you know, probably fair to say some, some ups and downs there. But, uh, yeah. you know, and, and looking back, I, I guess, you know, the pathway you come in makes you the person you, you are yeah. today and the the success you've had over the last um you know 12 18 months and obviously phenomenal
3: yeah. so um yeah. how do you look back on the manling time? um dis- disappointment i guess um yeah, i, reg- I regret a th- i regret a few things um but at the same time i, f- I felt pretty hard i feel pretty hard done by Um yeah. Yep. A lot of things that sort of got reported in the paper and on the news were false, if I'm being honest. They, they had no truth to them at all. And and don't get me wrong, things happened and, and stuff was true what they printed as well. But um, just the way it all got handled behind the scenes, I won't go into it, but there was, I felt I felt like I was on my own and people, the powers that be were, were really trying to make it hard for me. And yep. um, when I sit back and look at it now, I sort of just go, oh, well, doesn't matter, like I've sort of let it go, but at the time it was extremely frustrating and upsetting. Obviously, I had like I had camera crews at the front of my house, um, I wasn't allowed to go, I wasn't allowed to go to training. Um, I had to drive an hour 45 out west to, to train for an hour and then drive home. Um, yeah. I wasn't even allowed like at Manly's facility. So, if I needed physio on that, that was all done out at Blacktown. Oh, really, yeah. um, I was on the front page of the paper three weeks in a row, just written in a different way. So, yeah, mate, it was hard and. Yeah. I felt like it was unfair at times. But at the same time, um, I got to learn a lot about myself. I got to learn um, that I was pretty mentally tough and resilient. And um, all I wanted to do was bounce back from become a better footy player and role yeah. model and better person. And yeah. I feel like since I've obviously joined Salford in the back end of 2018 and then obviously now at Wigan, I've been able to do that and, and show people sort of like the true side of me and um, the rugby league player that you know, I should have been in the NRL.
0: Yeah, What was it a, a, a deliberate decision? Was it your first choice to come over to the UK at
3: that point? Was, was it something, uh, like, to no. get away from from that, or? I didn't want to come, mate. I didn't want to come. I didn't want to leave the family and the dogs and stuff like that. But yeah. at the same time, I just had a red line straight from my name everywhere. Yep. You know, like when you see reports like that about someone, you automatically got to think a certain way about them, and that's what people did. Even people that didn't yeah. know me sort of had an opinion on me and. Um, that was sort of hard to cop too, because as I said, a lot of the stuff that was printed and, and written and that was, was BS, really. So yeah, yeah. Um, that was hard to cop. And then my manager thought it would do me the world of good, and uh, my mum pushed me to come. And once mum gave me the push to come, I sort of just went, "All oh, right, if she wants me to go, let's go have a crack at it." And um, yeah, yeah, I knew the footy, I knew the style over here would suit the way I played. I knew yeah. um, going to a smaller club would would benefit me in a way as well because of. The way I play and the way I sort of want to be known as a player too. So, as I yeah. said, it was sort of like a masterstroke by my manager, and um, it's worked out to be quite a good move.
0: Yeah, I oh, made phenomenal year last year, and uh, you know, getting Salford to the grand final. I um, um, had the pleasure of watching the semi final actually against Wigan, as we right, yeah. is yeah. very dominant in that game and never really looked like losing that game to be to be there and the Bigham were the red hot favourites, but it was a bit of a sort of a Cinderella story that the whole year for yeah. Salford, as you said, a smaller club, uh, you know, not renowned for being highly financial, like some of the, the bigger yeah. clubs that are always just, you know, continually successful over here. So, um,
1: yeah,
0: yeah it, was, it was great to see. And then to, to pop it off, some um, test caps for, for England as well. Yeah. So, um, and then the Man of Steel, so yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's a phenomenal. Hit. So, yeah, did you use, I, I guess, that that experience from Manly was that a
3: motivation for you? Do you, do you think it was that what drove yeah, you more I, than I, anything? Yeah, it still drives me. It drives me. Um, it drives me insane at times. But <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I, 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 mate, I go to bed. I go to bed at night still thinking about how bad that scarred me and how how my career was nearly over from. From people sort of twisting stories and stuff, and it and it yep. me, and it and and, and it like bit at me, and it just sort of ate away at me. And then I use that anger as motivation, uh, yep to turn up at training and and, and compete as hard as I can, and, and show the rest of my teammates that like I'm not here to I'm not here to just be here. I'm here to win. And yeah, I feel like the way I approach the game sort of rubbed off on a few people that weren't used to winning. Um, I attacked every game like we could win no matter who we played um, St Helens Wigan Warrington LFC all these big teams that are, are mm-hmm. littered with talent I remember I used to always I was mucking around with Joey the other day and we um, we spoke about how I used to say the last message and I used to just swear all the time we like will he swear on this? Yeah yeah
2: can yeah, you swear on right.
3: it? yeah yeah. So I, just, it. I remember I used to say we'll fucking win this or we can <laughs> yeah. like, and then I was like look, I try to speak directly and as sort of Motivational as I could be yep. because, like, you still felt that some people didn't believe. And then I remember we went on this mad run, we won like nine, ten in a row. Um, and it was after we we just got beat by Saints by two points at their place. And that game was a sort of the defining moment in our season where we thought, I yes. can you know, we can do something there
2: Yeah.
3: And then once everyone bought, bought into what we we're talking about and believed in each other and understood that we actually had a squad there that could compete, and, and it wasn't about the names that you have in your team or what jersey you got on it's just if you go out there and compete hold the ball kick well and defend well you've got a chance to win and then yep. as you said fast track to the, the semi-final against Wigan we just got beat by them two weeks prior and we probably should have won that game to be honest to have a crack to go straight through the GF we we left about we reckon three or four tries out there I remember Ken CEO just after half time got tackled into touch yep. um, a few boys got held up over the line in the first half and then Wigan to be fair the Wigan they scrambled really hard in the second half and then we took a lot of confidence out of that, and then we played Cass the following week to, to, to eventually meet up with Wigan for for a prelim to make the grand final. And yep. I remember um, Cass were really confident. There was a lot of stuff on social media about the players um, paying for buses for their fans to be able to come to the game, <laughs> and yeah, you know, another trip back to Old Trafford. And I remember we had that. I remember what I showed us that that article and, and put it up on the on the whiteboard before before a training session and. Um, was a very fierce sort of competitor himself and he used that as motivation for not only him but us. And yeah, I remember that game when I remember walking into the tunnel before that game and I just felt like no one could beat us, man. Like it was a weird <laughs> feeling. I remember walking into AJ Bell and I, and I checked the field and it was a it was a nice night. The fans were pumped. It was my last home game for Salford. Yeah. And I just had my chest I just had my chest out and I just knew that something special was brewing. And then we started off like a house on fire. we were defending fierce, we were running hard. We scored two early tries and then about thirty minutes in, Jordan Rankin caught this ball through a dummy went through. And everyone sort of was looking around like fuck me, he's gonna score. And then Nile Level's come from somewhere and put him into touch. Yep. And from that from that point on, I thought, we've got this. And then we obviously ran on and beat him. I think it was twenty-two 0 from memory. I can't remember the exact same score. Uh, yeah, the exact score, score, sorry, score and then I got to score that last try with about five to go in front of the the South stand and Yep. I just go, I oh, get goosebumps thinking about it, you know. Like, yeah. I remember, like, just going, I remember going, woo, as late as I could. And, like, <laughs> people are throwing beer and that, and I'm trying to catch it. I was like, like it's just, man, you can't write about it. And then, fast forward a week later, um, me and Joey actually were at a Man United game. We we're guests of someone yeah. in, in the box. And nice. yeah. And when they walked out of Old Trafford, I hit him and I went, fuck's sake, this could be us yeah. in two weeks' time. And yeah. Yeah. you sort of dare to dream, you dare to dream, and you muck around and that. And then, roll onto Wigan there was something funny in the sheds like there was just this confidence about every single person whereas like we'd been to Wigan twice before and there was no confidence it was sort of like shit room for a tough night here but there was this like pure confidence and belief and swagger about boys I'd never seen before and then I remember we ran out there and uh, first set of six they come down our edge a bit and I remember I had to tackle Willie Isa. Zach Hardaker took a scoop, and I, I remember I was ripping into Zach. Like, I won't repeat what I said to him, but <laughs> I ripped into him. But he, but he, he, he snapped straight away, and I thought yeah. oh, I got him there. I yeah. got him. Yeah, I got him exactly where I want him. And then he, and then he got the ball and last put it out on the full. Yeah. So we had a set, a set, got a penalty kicked the two. Then he kicked. Then he kicked the, a ball dead off the kickoff, and I remember running past him. I said, "Your head's gone here, mate." <laughs> and um, he was trying to fight me and all sorts. You know, he knocked over the two again, and then we just rolled him from there, mate. And yeah. then. There's a there's a mad video. My sister's got you of sitting in the front row of where um, the Salford fans are. Yeah. And when Lee Mossop scores, I sprint past, and I just remember like she's got my hands up like that, and I was screaming. Yeah. And my sister's literally right in front of me, videoing it. And <laughs> like no, when I went home for Christmas to look back on that, like
2: yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Like it's hard to like fathom what we did last year. Like for people that don't know, like the lack of resources and finances and like. Holding on to players and players that just get a chance because they're not good enough for, for other clubs and stuff like yep. that. It's, um, I just wish we'd won it. I, I feel yeah, like yeah. the the town just would have, mate. The town would have went mad. Nah, I, I, I still would be drinking. I would be drinking now, mate, if that was yeah. if that was the case. But as you touched on, we 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 fell short and to experience what Old Trafford felt like just really lights the fire for me to hopefully one day get back there again. I'd love to do it again this year with Wigan and. Yeah, and if we had to go against Saints again, that'd be that'd be pretty cool to try and get one back over them. And yeah, and like yeah. as you touched on, the Man of Steel, um, a couple of days before the grand final, just made it such a such an enjoyable week, man. Like to have my family there and to sit. Like, my mum was bawling her eyes out. My sisters were so proud. Like I had, I think there was like 400 South advance singing that we've got Jackson Hastings um up in the top tier of the theatre. And I actually watched my speech back the other day, and I nearly started crying, man, when I was <laughs> on stage. Like, I had to like take a deep breath and and realise. I think the moment got to me because I realised what I'd gone through and what yes. I had to deal with mentally, physically, emotionally, psychologically. Just to even be playing again, and then to be crowned the best player of the competition that year. Um, yeah, like I don't cry much about anything mm. really, but that that sort of got me. Yeah. Um,
2: Overwhelming. And then,
3: yeah, mate, like, uh, yeah, I get a bit emotional even talking about it now. It gives me goosebumps to think that where I was at and to where I got to in the space of 16 months is quite crazy. And then to tour with Great Britain, to play with some of the best players in the world and be coached by Wayne, Um, although we didn't play anywhere near good enough, um, Mm -hmm. the whole experience as a whole and singing God Save the Queen. Um, learning about my English roots and the culture, and where my my grandparents and stuff are from, and and meeting yep. the boys and understanding the way the boys like to play English rugby league was was great, mate, and, and just capped off what was such a fantastic year for myself and and yeah. one old it'll be hard to beat for sure. The um the World Cup
0: next year being an obvious goal. Um yeah, there there has been a bit of talk around Raven. You've already mentioned how you know, manipulating the media can be. It's not necessarily all yeah. true, but uh, there's been a bit of talk over here about possibility of the switch to Rugby Union. So I guess that's a two-fold question. Is the World Cup a priority? Is there any thought of Rugby Union? Where are you yeah. uh, at yeah, with that?
3: Oh, well, I'd love to play for England in, in Rugby League for sure. Like Obviously, playing for Great Britain and, and stuff like that, I'd love to play for England. And obviously, Sean Wayne's come out and and he, he didn't pick me in that initial squad and, and he said if you're obviously not a pure englishman you have got to do something outstanding to make his team and that's fine and that's what I'll that's what I plan to do you know I plan to just yeah. put all my eggs in one basket and, and play the best footy I can and if I weren't getting picked that'd be unbelievable if not I can I can wear that you know Sean's a great coach and very highly respected too so yeah. there's no point kicking stones he's obviously seen something that I'm not great at and something I need to work on so I'll go back when we get playing and and work extremely hard to to sort of get my name read out in that squad when it comes to the end-of-year test if they go ahead. And then um, in terms of rugby union, um, yeah, there's been a lot of chatter and stuff about that. and I'm not too sure, mate. I sort of leave that up to my manager to to discuss with clubs what I'm going to be doing. But obviously, if there's a pathway to to play representative rugby union or to play at a good club and and I'm going to be good at the game and I'm going to get a lot out of it, I'd be silly not to... um, I'd be silly not to look yeah. at it, but at the same time, I haven't signed anything or, or really spoke to anyone. So, yep. yeah, yeah, okay. it's all sort of up in the air at the minute. Yeah, yeah. The the move to Wigan,
0: how how did that come about, and how how long is your contract
3: there? Well, I turned them down the year before to stay at Salford, um, yep. and I thought that would be the end of them trying to chase me. And then, obviously, George Williams had time with Canberra; they needed another yep. half, and and they come hard after me. And um, I suppose the contract was was quite handy, but. Also, the chance to play with some of the players they got at the club was a massive factor, obviously being coached by Lammy, And then, yeah, yeah, that's how it all sort of come about. It was a sort of long, drawn-out process because I didn't really want to leave Salford, mate. I felt like really sort of in debt to the place for for what they did for me. And and I still feel that. Like, um, I've got a huge sense of pride when I talk about the club for for everything they've done for me. So, yeah, it was a hard decision to to sort of leave. But one I'm happy with now that I've made it and, and one that I feel comfortable with. So. I signed a two-year deal with, a, with an option in my favour. Okay. Um, so, yeah, by, by the end point of the year, I'll sort of know what I'll be doing.
0: Yeah. Did you work with um, Adrian at the Roosters
3: at all? Did you know him from your nah. time? Mate? So I knew him really well, obviously, through – I played with Lachlan, his son. He's a yes. year younger than me. And so yep. I played 20s with him. And Lamy was always there to give me advice and stuff. But I never got coached by him. And, okay. and he was one person that was really keen to get me over. And, and he's been great for me, mate. Obviously, being an ex-halfback, he's yes. – He's filled me with a lot of knowledge and stuff. So, yeah, it's been really good.
0: Is there a thought um, back in the NRL, is that a goal at some stage for you? <laughs> I've got to
3: be careful how I answer this. I might get hanged on Twitter. Um, <laughs> look, the NRL is obviously a place where I didn't fulfil my potential and a place where everyone's eyes are on you. I suppose as a, as a sport rugby league, that's where that's the pinnacle really, isn't it, really, yeah. like at the moment? Yep. yeah. And I'll, I'll say this carefully. At the end of yeah. my tenure with Wigan, yeah. whenever that may be, if the right club pops up yeah. and it's going to suit me for my future goals and endeavours, and um, if it means being closer to family, if I get lucky, like, I eventually want to go back and stuff like that. I'd be silly not to look at it. Yeah. That would obviously that would be, you know, that's where everyone is for me. That's where my family is. That's yeah. where my dogs are. That's where my friends are. So I'd yeah. be stupid not to look at that. But saying the same time. If I get good good offers over here and I'm comfortable here and um, I'm happy here, I won't yeah. leave. So it's sort yeah. of like a like it's a it's bit of a pretty, pretty shit answer that because I, I don't really answer it, but I'm I'm unsure myself. So yeah, just but wherever I, the world yeah. takes wherever the world yeah. takes you, mate, I'll follow. Yeah, sort of. yeah.
0: but I, don't, I actually think that was a really good answer because it seems you know you you've grown to a point where you're comfortable with yourself and confident in what you're doing and you're going to direct your own path from from here and not. Have yeah. other people direct it for you, and that's uh, yeah, seems yeah. I'm, what's
2: I happened be in, at times? I want to be
3: in control. Of, I want to be in control of my own future. I want to be the player that that people want to sign. Yeah, I want to be the person that people want to have with their club. And I suppose I do a lot of stuff in the community. I do a lot of stuff online to sort of, um, not to show to anyone else, but just just to be there for other people. You know, I've always been a kind-hearted person that wants to give back to the community and and people yep. that give time to me. I've just sort of always put myself in awkward spots where it gets overshadowed by dumb decisions and yep. And at the moment I'm comfortable within my own skin, understand who I am as a person and what I want to be as a player too. So
2: yeah.
3: all is well at the moment, but I've got to continue on that sort of upward trajectory and, and that's what yep. I plan on doing. Right, excellent. We,
0: um, we'll start to wind it up there. I guess we'd like to talk about pathways on on this show and uh, you yeah. know, as a coach of... I've, I've, um, Got a background in the development age groups, and uh, yeah, yeah, you know, the perhaps in the Queensland Cup, and so it, I'd like to hear about the guys who've persevered, who you know yeah. haven't necessarily um, made it at seventeen, and then it's been a non-stop success story. You know, you, you had some early yeah. success, but and you've had a yeah. setback, and you you fought back to greater heights, yeah. and you and you've been your whole yeah. career. So yeah, with yeah. I'd. Love those uh, lessons in life. Not, but like to think the young guys, um, you know, they'll take a fair bit out of this interview. Like, right? so yeah, I really-
3: think, I, th- I think if I can say something, mate. Just yep. sorry to cut you off. I think in like what I've learned in life is not everything's perfect, and not everyone's going to like you. And if, whether that's you as a person, you as a player, um, you're going to get told you're not good enough. You're going to get yep. told your attitude sucks. You're going to get told you. are not strong enough but it's the weak-minded people and the people that sort of listen to those voices in their head and go to bed thinking about it the wrong way like use it as motivation man like
2: yeah
3: i remember i remember when i was a kid i was too small too slow couldn't tackle um didn't have a quick first step but i had all the vision in the world and people didn't want to touch me because i couldn't tackle so what i do i just i got bigger and i started throwing my body about i started taking the line on i started getting hit you started to get up i started to talk a bit of shit on the field and get involved in those aggressive moments and yeah just never give up on anything man. Like if if I've learned one thing in life, like never ever give up. And you might not ever get to where you want to get to. And if you can do everything you possibly can, tick every box and you yeah. fall short, that's not a failure. That's just a, that's just life and that's unlucky. But it's the people that quit on themselves that I'd love to sort of interact with and because I could have quit on myself easy, heaps of yeah. times. Yeah. Like and we're not talking about just rugby league like Mate, I had people worried about my mental health, worried about whether I was going to commit suicide. I know it's a very heavy subject, but like, I was in a dark place, man. Like, I was at a place where not many people sort of can come back from. Like, I was thinking all sorts of shit, mm. but I didn't want to let the people that put so much time and effort into me down, and that was always my driving factor. I said this on to someone not long ago. I had a photo of my granddad, my mum, my two sisters, and my two dogs, yep. next to my bed, and I made a conscious effort to look at that and talk to that photo every night until I got yep. back on track and. Yep. And I know, and, and and like shit gets hard. Like You would have been there, I've been there, Joe Blow's been there. Just get back on the horse and fucking work your ass off until you get what you want and don't let anyone tell you you can't do it. And that's yeah. the mindset I've sort of kept since that moment. And um, if there's any young kids watching this, sorry about my language, but never, ever give up on your dreams. If that's life, if that's rugby league, if that's learning how to ride a bike, whatever it is. Just believe in yourself and back yourself. Like my favorite, I've got a a like guy that plays in the NBA. He writes hashtag boy on every photo. Yeah. And, I, and I, I, I sort of researched it. And I, and, and his catch line is because he was an undrafted free agent, which means he went to the draft and no one picked him. Yep. So he could have kicked stones and never made it. Now he's an NBA champion for Toronto. His name is Fred Van Fleet, won last year.
2: Yep.
3: And the boy means bet on yourself. Yeah. So nice. I, like I like it, man. Like, yeah. like it, if, yeah. if no one else wants to give you a crack, just. Do it yourself, do it the hard way, do it the long way and yeah. And instead of saying up yours when you get there, just smile and wave and say, Thanks for the motivation. Yeah, yeah. But well, it's a great attitude
0: and it's obviously yeah. working for you. So, uh, yeah. I will take my hat off to you, mate. It's been a fantastic interview. I really appreciate your time Thanks, mate. With, mate. No worries, I appreciate yeah. that. Thank you very much. Yeah, well hopefully got to say that young guys um learn. Very valuable lesson, not just in sport, uh, but in life from what they've heard today. so Appreciate Thank you that, again, yeah. mate. Awesome. Thank you, mate. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, brother. Yeah. Thanks. Hey, Sally, yeah, what did you think?
1: Oh, <laughs> what did I think? And uh, I said a little bit before the interview, what, what a great interview, mate. He, you know, as I said, like a couple of blokes sitting on a lounge and you're just talking and yeah. He really let himself talk, didn't he? He just um, was very, very happy to talk about what's gone through his life, yeah. uh, where he's at in his life. As I mentioned, he's only 24 years old, Kim. Yeah. yeah. So, he's, he's, you know, yeah. he's still a young man. And Yeah. The big things I I, I did note that when, when he spoke about, or you asked him the question about the opportunity to play at the NRL, he reckons every club had read Inky. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And then,
0: yeah. yeah. The um, it's a sign too of how powerful the media can be. And, oh yeah, uh, yeah, that, that's something that um, worries me. I know, and no, probably worries every player that, uh, yeah, it probably takes one negative story, and then if um, you know the media jump all over it, then that's sort of the end result. And yeah, uh, um, you know, he like he said, he need to get the out of the place and um. Establish himself here, which he certainly has done. So, uh, yeah, very interesting to to hear those comments in particular. And and the other stuff was the
1: representative stuff, Uh, Sully. I know you found that there was interest. Yeah, it was interesting. Obviously, he's represented under Wayne Bennett, and you'll be able to talk about this. And Wayne Bennett was quite happy to give Australian players who had a grandmother or something like that the opportunity to play for Great Britain. But Sean Wayne has turned around and Told him straight up, hasn't he? You know, in this, well, mate, you're going to have to play some good footy because I'm, I'm really looking at, you know, English heritage players to play in this next World Cup.
0: Yeah, there, there does seem at times to be, you know, a, a bit of an anti, um, anti, I'll say anti-Australian, but it's, it just, they're very passionate over here about their home, home-born players, and they want to see and I'm just talking about the average man on the street or the average rugby league punter, and they want a British or an English team full of people who were born in England and, you know, I guess grew up playing in the competition here. And and that's understandable. We, we, we'd be looking the same way if, uh, you know, an Englishman came to Australia who had an Australian grandmother or something and then got picked ahead of a, a local. And so that that's completely understandable. And, you uh, um, so I think that's the general feel over here that if you're going to force your way into the team, if you're a, an exile or, or you know an Australian with some British heritage, you're going to have to be an absolute standout. And uh, yeah, the new coach Sean Wayne, he, he seems by these initial selections to have made a stand on that. And you know, as Jackson said, he's prepared to accept that and work really hard and make sure he's becomes a better player, and they can't ignore him in terms of selection. So, again, a great attitude to have. And, uh, um, yeah, I guess the other thing is that the, the British, they want to see that passion for the jersey. And it's probably a belief that if you're a local born Englishman, you're going to have more of that in you than, than an Aussie who's come over. So um, oh, going to be interesting. Kim, as you said, say,
1: I'm the yeah. same. I, I'm no yeah. different. You know, you just don't hand out like seriously, mate. I, I'm sure Blake Austin's a lovely fella. Yeah. But how he's played International Rugby League, come on, please.
0: Well, you furthermore, know, mate, on the wing sorry. PNG oh, they, you know, that, that, Yeah, that one I, I think probably you know, showed um that, or sent the wrong message out that because it, Great Britain had flew had flown over a specialist winger. Um, a few days or even a, a week or something uh, prior to that test match against PNG, yet still picked Blake Austin completely out of position on the wing, and I, I think a lot of people over here. Well, I know they did that. That rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. That selection, and uh, and then of course they lost that test match. So you know that may have been the nail in in the coffin for Wayne Bennett that one, but uh, yeah, it probably wasn't a good look there. So. You know, we'll, we'll see how it pans out over the next 12 months or 18 months leading into the World Cup. And it's going to be very interesting what that final
1: English squad looks like. Yeah, very, very true. But Kim, back to Jackson. Um, yep. made the world's his oyster over there, isn't it? Yeah, well, you know, to,
0: to get that man of steel last year was an amazing effort i you know, and got them to the grand final was a big part of getting Salford to the grand final. They unfortunately lost that match at St Helen to hmm. you know, the completely dominant side all all season. And you know, then I mean, no one could begrudge them, Justin Holbrook, that uh, title. But uh, yeah, and Wigan had been knocking on his door it seemed already. So um, yep. you know they're they definitely the the biggest club over here, you know, they haven't St Helens, I guess, are uh, uh known I guess, within the rugby league world outside of England more than any other club over here. So they've definitely got the prestige and the history behind them and, uh, you know, they, they love winning Wigan. So for them to chase him, it's obviously obvious sign of his standing in the game over here. And, um, mm. yeah, Wigan were travelling quite well before the lockdown here. So if we do get back on the paddock, they're certainly one of the favourites in this
1: competition. And if they go all the way, I've got no doubt, Jackson will be playing a big part in that, and and a fascinating connection with Adrian Lamb, of course. You know, and, and played played with his son, and then yeah. just used to talk to him, talk to him. Now he's been coached by him. So Adrian yes. Lamb would have, I think, he would have been on top of the blackboard, Kimbo. When you yeah. you've been there, done that. When you've got a blackboard of who we want, yeah. Jackson Hastings would have been on top, after, especially after George Williams coming yes. over to
0: Canberra. Yeah, that was definitely a big part in it, I would say. And uh, yeah, but a good signing. Um, for both parties I, I, I would think there. So definitely a great opportunity to, um, for Jackson to get some silverware um, and, yeah, you know, it came very close cool. last year with Salford but Wigan are just, you know, perennial, perennial favourites. So,
1: um, mm. yeah, he's put himself in a great position there and you'd have to say, well earned. Yeah, and it's an interview, as I say. I'm just going to hand out to as many kids that I know because it's um, yep. well worth listening to. Yes. All
0: right, next Sully. I think uh, we we don't have the second interviewee
1: this week, but we you're still very keen to get your sixty seconds with Sully on the show. Oh, I I definitely am. But you know the thing with this week's show, I thought that that and we both thought that just one interview was enough. Yep. Um. You know we've been really really lucky the last couple of weeks, but I just thought the quality of that interview was enough. So, mate, the sixty seconds with Sully's with you. Kim Williams, <laughs> yes, you sprung that on me. I know you don't listen. Well, I know you don't listen when um, well, I'm asking it to the guests. So <laughs> you'll be a bit surprised, no doubt. Yeah, you wouldn't know. You, well, I, can't remember, and, and, uh,
0: no, I can't remember. the question.
1: So, hey, mate, we'll, right we'll give it a go. We'll see how it go. Sixty seconds with Sally. Your favourite holiday spot.
0: Ooh. Uh Vegas.
1: No. Oh. Favourite other sport?
0: Um, oh, yeah, I obviously haven't thought about this much. Um, motorbike racing.
1: I knew you weren't going to say basketball like everybody no, else the no, last no. few weeks. No, what
0: can't name. you
1: live without? Um, oh,
0: rugby league.
1: <laughs> there you go. I love it. The yeah. greatest influence on your life?
0: Um, I would say my wife.
1: Oh, I like that. Yeah.
0: yeah. Favourite food? Oh, yeah. I'm a big fan of food, mate. I
1: love it. Um, oh, I would say a very good spaghetti bolognese. Oh, there you go. Favourite non-rugby league competition and a team in that comp? Wow.
2: Um. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh. A oh, tough one. I don't I just
0: don't follow other sports that much. Um, all right, let's go with. Uh, oh, I can be another one. N-R- NRL team, N-R- can I? Yeah, yeah. NRL favorite, N-R- non-regular NRL, N-R-L yeah. team.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's rugby league, mate. Sorry, yeah. sorry.
0: Okay, um, mate. I'll, I'll go back up to the the Queensland Cup and I've my two old teams there: the Capras and the Cutters. I both love them both still. Yep.
1: There you go. Beautiful. And if you're down to your last $50, Kimbo, how would you spend it? I'd have a I've got punt. a tip at Gloucester Park tonight. You know me too well, son. And
0: yeah, <laughs> People who know me out there, they would have said that without, you know, without hesitation. So, yeah, mate, I'd try and turn it into a couple of hundred straight away. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I probably wouldn't uh, have any but I'd
2: give it a go. Yeah.
1: Well, thanks for spending 60 seconds with Sally. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right,
0: thanks, mate. Um, well, to wrap it up this week, I've been – we've had Kimbo's bedtime stories lately and they've been great, but I thought I'd actually tell a true story this time, Dully. What? Yeah, and um, it, it involves one of the greats of the game, or probably the guy who's currently been talked about as possibly the greatest player of all time in Cameron Smith. Hmm. Um, during my my time at the Storm, and I it was the first the first year I was there, at the end of 2009, and uh, the, the club had a massive year, the eighteens the that I uh coached. The we'd made the grand final earlier in the year, but being beaten. And uh, but the 20s and first grade uh won the grand finals that year, and history now shows that that first grade premiership was later. Uh, taken off them, but it, it was in mm. 2009. And I, I'm pretty sure it was after the grand final, but it wasn't the after party. It was the after after party
1: where it's... Uh, oh, was that the after party?
0: Yeah, so it, it was the one after that. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> staff staff, and uh, players and family only. And, uh, so, you know, it goes pretty late into the night. um uh, I said, the under-20s had won the Cop, and I was standing there having a few beers um, it was quite late at night by this stage with uh, six or seven of the younger 20s boys. Now, the younger 20s boys loved the gym and loved going in the gym and they loved the way they looked at the gym. They, <laughs> they never hesitated to, you know, rolling up up their sleeves. even You'd be out, you know, having a drink and the boys had had collared shirts on, but half of them had their sleeves rolled up to show off the guns. You know, very proud of them <laughs> and, um, i remember chatting away and like i said there's probably six or seven of them and at least three or four of those with their sleeves rolled up and arms crossed and pushing their biceps out as young guys tend to do and feeling pretty good about themselves after winning the grand final and, and i spotted out the corner of my eye um cameron going into the the toilet it was about you know 10 meters away from where we were standing and he sort of looked over, and I didn't think anything of it. And then he came out the toilet um, when he'd finished his business, and he, he walked over towards us. And I, I can't remember the exact numbers, mate, but he was looking at the boys who were standing there flexing up. And he goes, "Hey, hey, boys! Two premierships, twelve test matches, and origins. No biceps, and just walked away." <laughs> and then, The three or four (laughs) under-20s boys with their sleeves rolled down, all flexing up, all of a sudden rolled the sleeves down, put their hands in their pockets and and weren't showing off the guns any longer for the night.
2: It was a great lesson in modesty.
0: Great lesson in modesty and probably sums up, you know, the man Cameron Smith is and uh, very humble there and uh uh, possibly the greatest player of all time. But uh, if you saw him in the street you, you wouldn't imagine that for a second. But uh yeah, mate, that was very interesting and a good lesson to the young people out out
1: there about, uh mate, if you humble. saw him in the street, you if you saw him in the street you wouldn't think he played rugby league. No, <laughs> well, they do call him the accountant. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. He just does what he's gotta do, but how yeah. long are we gonna see the accountant on the field for? So um yeah. well I'll tell you what, knows? that's it. Mm. That, that, this could extend thing. his career another another well, year. Mm. Well, I think I, I think it will. I yep. was talking to some young. I was talking to some boys over here, and obviously the NRLWA competition yep. uh, during the week. Bjorn Crotty, a, a, yep. a very talented footballer, we all know. And yep. I said, "How are you feeling?" And he said, "Mate, so the body is feeling superb because he's had a break.
2: Mm. Yep. He's
1: had a long break and." You know, talking, I see uh, New South Wales Rugby League, reckon Community Rugby League, that's just community. New South Wales yes. Cup and Queensland Cup's obviously gone. Yep, they're gone, yep. I they reckon they'll start in July. But, mate, I, talking from a local point of view, I wouldn't be surprised if we're playing in June. Yep. Yeah, okay. Um, you know, just because we're pretty good over here with our how it's going and everything. yeah. Uh, the record numbers and yep. that might change a little bit. We're letting a few planes in over the next couple of weeks. So that'll be interesting to see. But from a NRL WA competition point of view, we, we might be up and running by mm. you know, I'd love to think training by the middle of May and playing yeah. by June.
0: Well, you know, it, it could change the mindset of how how we go about pre-seasons. Um, even even the NRL. Okay. So yeah, we're used to doing three to four month long pre-seasons. Um, hmm. or even you know, four months minimum. You're usually kicking back in November. November, December, January, February. You're usually starting early March. This is NRL. Ridiculous. Okay. Ridiculous. Yeah. So all of a sudden they, I, I know they've maintained a the level of fitness. Um, there's the vast majority of players will have been doing the right thing in terms of keeping their training up. But uh, even the community clubs. So if you're only going to get say a three to four week pre-season, uh, the way the way your strength and conditioners approach that is going to be completely different. It's going to be all about quality and intensity rather than quantity. Um, and we'll see what the success of that is, whether then it brings a bit of a different mindset to the length of pre-seasons in the future, the type of training we do in those pre-seasons and uh, yeah, how we go about yeah, our business in those off-season months and, and uh, those yeah, that pre-season period. So it's going to be very interesting. Mate. It, it, this is probably a bigger challenge for the strength and conditioners than anyone else in the, the organisation of the NRL clubs. Uh, a whole different world. This hasn't been done yeah. this way for a long, long time and not too different in the community clubs. So you you just need to be creative. And going uh, to be, I, I would be thinking, you know, coaches who can combine uh, small sided games at training with fitness are going to be the successful ones because you haven't got time to separate the two components you know, you're going to have to try and get your fitness while you're doing your, your technical and tac- tactical stuff training combine them both uh, in a short and pre-season. Big challenges ahead I'd love that, that's what coaching is all about to me, You know, being mm. innovative and coming up with new ideas so Um, I'm going to enjoy hopefully finding out about how some of the different clubs have approached it and maybe that's an interview for us over the next couple of weeks with a a strength and conditioning from the NRL and see what sort of uh, approach they are having now to this shortened pre-season or second pre-season even we
1: could call it. going to be very interesting. Yeah, and I'm th- we, we know plenty of them, so I, I think that'll yeah. be pretty easy to pick up. And mm. and then, as I say, we get a bit of community rugby league being played. We can talk to one of the community yeah. rugby league coaches, normal yeah. um, well, well, strength and conditioning yeah. coaches. Well, so, yeah.
0: um, yeah. Even at those community clubs, a lot of the time, your head coach does both of those roles. So, yeah, it would be, yeah. be good to talk to someone at that level. All
1: right, that's one yeah. for the next Absolutely, few weeks. Yeah. yeah, brilliant. No, well, well, what a show. As I say, it's um, I've repeated it before, but it's well worth listening to the Jackson's, Jackson Hastings interview. It was um, enlightening for me. Um, yeah. I, I didn't know the young man. and I've, I've read things about him and, wow, it was just the honesty. That's the word that came out of for me, mate, the honesty. Yeah. yeah. Happy yeah. to talk and wanted yeah. to talk.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm sure, sure he... Uh- Listeners will have enjoyed that boat and hopefully they'll be back next week and we'll have another another big star on the show. Uh, uh, thanks again, Sully. Episode four, Locked Away. We'll look forward to next week. There's uh, a long time in rugby league at the moment, one week, so many different things happening. So we'll have plenty to talk about
1: again next week, no doubt. Thanks, listeners. Thanks, Sully. Absolutely, mate. And enjoy your first week as 49 year old <laughs> I will do. Thanks, mate. Bye.